Welcome to the Keeping It Simple podcast with Tanika Butler, the podcast that brings clarity to the Word of God by keeping things simple and shifts Christians from looking like the culture to living as disciples. Whether you've been saved your entire life or accepted Christ yesterday, this is a space for you. So get ready to be encouraged and equipped to thrive. Hey y'all, welcome to the Keeping It Simple podcast. I'm your host, Tanika Butler, and I am glad you stopped by. So today I am once again joined by my unofficial co-host, Producer Bay. Look at you! Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Lord, today. Look at you! Yes, Lord. I feel like you should do a spin or a, a turn at, or a slide. At, yeah, at something. I need a turntable. Maybe we can do that for the next season. Maybe we can't. Okay, it's not. Is it not in the budget? Like, I don't understand. I mean, I'm expressing the. Yeah. My therapist is teaching me how to express what's on the inside, so the inside doesn't eat me up. Okay. Well, good for you. Okay. Following instructions. Thank you for shutting me down. How are you today, Producer Bay? How, how's life going? I'm great. It's good. I'm excited about uh, today. I'm excited about our guest. I'm excited about this season. I think it's been really cool. How'd you like last week's episode? Ooh, it was fire, fire. Fire, fire emoji, fire. <laughs> so, based on the third laugh that you hear, you know that we have another guest. Well, the same guest today but another person joining us so if you have not heard last week's episode yet stop this one go back and listen to episode 11 and then come back for this episode 12 because last week we started talking about depression and anxiety and today we are on part two because we just had so much more stuff that we needed to hit on before we let our guests leave the building. And so we are joined again by Miss Natalie Dyer. Hello. So if you could, for the new people, that now there should not be any new people because I just told them to go check episode 11. But some of them are not going to check episode 11. And they're just going to get the goodness that you're going <laughs> to give the people for this one. So just give them a little bit about yourself. Yes. Hello. I'm Natalie Dyer, and I'm honored to be here. I am a licensed professional counselor supervisor. Um, I have been practicing for 20 plus years. Wow. Um, lots of time in this field. Hey! Ha ha! Ah, you thought I lost it. No, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. So basically, the sound effect is just as happy as we are. That Natalie knows what she's talking about. And she, she is not new to this. She is true to this. And so we, we talked a lot last episode about kind of some signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety and all that. But I want to start today with talking about the functionality of depression. So if you can tell a little bit about what that is and what that encompasses. So the thought typically is when you hear that someone is depressed is that they are in a dark room with the blinds drawn uh, and the bed covers over their head, not eating, not doing all of the things. But the reality is, is that there are people walking around absolutely every single day doing the things that they need to do but are still depressed. They may have all of the symptoms, 
um, the criteria that we talked about in the last episode. They may have all of those. However, they still get up. They still wow. go and do the things that they need to do. Prime example could be like a single mom. She doesn't necessarily have the op- option or the opportunity mm-hmm. to um, go in a room, close the door, and you know shut the blinds. She still has children that she may have to get up and take to school or feed or, you know, things of that nature. There's still business to be taken care of, and there are people that are depressed still taking care of their business. Wow. So do you think that a lot of those people don't know they're depressed or they're like, I don't even have time to deal with this? I think it's the latter. They don't necessarily have the time to deal with the depression. Um, And I believe also that... Those are the people that pro- that likely have maybe a more severe depression, honestly, um, because they don't have the time to process through mm-hmm. it or feel it mm-hmm. all. Um, they walk around with it, still doing life. So there's still things being thrown at them. So they don't get to go sit and be depressed. They walk around and be depressed. And again, all these things are still coming at them. I, real quick, mm-hmm. when you say they walk around with this, can you actually see it on them, like in their body language, in how they move, in their shoulders, or maybe the way their head is sloped, right? Because I know we 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 look at countenance a lot. We look at how someone presents themselves a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think those are easy things to kind of point out. But, like, what do you typically see when people walk around with this? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I think some of the things that I might see a typical person might not. Okay. So I don't want to use me as a gauge. But I don't know that for the um, common person that depression speaks to them, that they see it. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. I, who's come to mind is Robin Williams, yeah. the comedian, yeah. right? So he's the funny, he was the funny man. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the, you know, the room hollered when he spoke because he was hilarious. However, he committed suicide. Right. Mm. Right. Um, so I don't know, again, that depression is a look that some people may have for the nat- for the common eye. I feel like I can tell when someone is dealing with some things in their, um, their physical body speaks. I will say that I believe that our mental health definitely um, impacts our physical bodies, for sure. Um, but it, right. may, it may not necessarily look a certain way to some people, but it does for me sometimes. No, yeah, I'm good. And I brought that up because, you know, it took me back to when I was in college and we had, um, I I, I vividly remember this, we had several um, sessions where we had to imitate someone's walk, Mm -hmm. right? And we would have to, like, I was a little thinner in college, right? And and so... I was thinner in college and, and I was challenged to walk from kind of like my pelvic center area. You know what I'm saying with this? And no one in the class got it except for my professor. And he was like, no, he's walking from the center of his abdomen down, you know, cause it, and other people were challenged to walk, you know, with their shoulders and different things. So that's why I asked, because I'm like, can you see it? Right. But to, just, to your point, you just said nobody got it, but your professor. Because yeah. your professor was used to the exercise. Yeah, but he wasn't even a licensed, you know. No, but he's he's been doing that exercise before. So you're not the first person that has came in there and walked like that. I know yeah. you probably thought you were I doing thought I was a one of one. Right? Thank you. 
that I, you probably thought that you were the first. Now I got to go back to my therapist and we got to talk about why I'm not let's, unique enough. <laughs> why I ain't special. But to Natalie's point, right? She, she can see everybody it. else didn't see what he could see. That's just good. like we can't right. see what she can see because she studied it. So she can see through the fake laugh or the smile or not even the fake. Cause sometimes it's, it's really, I'm just trying to survive. So I'm really exactly. not trying to be fake. Right, right. I'm just trying. I feel like this is the best way for me to cope. Exactly. And so. Right. Yeah. The mask can be real for many, many people um, and trying not to be seen. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Cause I, I've, I've thought about all the small group sessions that I've been a part of where you always have like that quiet person. Mm-hmm. And it's always funny to me, not funny, but it's always ironic to me because it's like, now you know that if you're the quiet one, everybody's going to be drawn to you or everybody's going to look at you and be like, go ahead and talk mm-hmm. like that. That's, that's what's going to happen. And so it's, I don't know, I just find it ironic that the person that's trying to hide the most is the one that's not hidden at all. Yes, yes. Like, it's like they're the squeaky wheel. Right. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. That's good. Like, yes, I agree. <laughs> I have nothing. I'm like over here basking <laughs> in all right. the answers. So last episode, you made a very important statement when suggesting and telling the people to seek therapy and go to therapy. And you said repeatedly, make sure you see a licensed person, a licensed person. A licensed <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how, that's how I felt like laughing when she said it. I probably, <laughs> if I go back, I probably did laugh Ooh. like that because I know Lord. what you meant. Cause everybody out here in these internet streets yeah. with, Fake degrees and fake certificates. So you tell the people to find a licensed specialist, a licensed expert, a licensed expert, a licensed professional, because they can go to someone that has the ability to bring out all those emotions. And I think even your friends, like if you sit down and talk long enough, everybody can have you dig through your childhood. But I think where you come into play and where therapists come into play is, okay, I've brought all this stuff to the surface and now I'm reliving all these traumatic events and now what? And I think the now what is where we need the licensed person Mm -hmm. because I can sit down with you as a friend. I can sit down with you as somebody that has discernment and has wisdom. And I'm like, okay, well, Let's talk about it. Talk it out. And then you're like, and then this happened when I was six, and I just never forgave that person. And I'm like, oh, okay. So scripture says. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't. Now I'm calling, calling y'all on the phone like, I need your help with this person. I'm going to send them to you. Right. So what is, how important is it? And I don't, I don't want to knock anybody's certifications or your life coaches in the world and all that because, and I can speak, I'll speak, that's what I'll do. 
because we most of us watch reality TV sometimes. And it just bothers my soul that you can have somebody going through so much drama and they're like, the next scene, it'll be like at the life coach's office. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at the life coach's office, like how many hours did this person study to be this? Again, nothing to knock the life coach because I know that everybody serves a purpose. For sure. But with what this person is unpacking, like I'm a normal person. Well, what's normal? I'm a person <laughs> sitting out here in the on the other side of the screen, and I can tell that they need somebody that can probably deal with this a little bit deeper. So what? how does a person decide between I can just see a life coach or, no, I need to see, you need to see a therapist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I want to say I, too, am a life coach. Mm-hmm. However, I'm a licensed therapist, too. So my uh, life coaching clients kind of get both, you know, that's the safest space. Right. So my typical clients that I coach have more to do with business planning. Um, right. uh, if they are trying to right. um, just something that is very emotionless, mm. if you will. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, however, when we start dealing with the processing of feelings, emotions, um, the hurts, the pains, um, loneliness, you know, things of that nature. When we start dealing with those things, that is not a coaching piece. And I know that there are coaches that are relationship coaches Mm -hmm. and marriage coaches and things of that nature, but they do dig up so many things and people can be left hanging. And that's the part about life coaches that are not therapists as well Mm -hmm. that scare me. Um, Because as you were saying, people can um, be put so far out there and then you don't necessarily know what to do once they get there. So if someone has experienced a trauma as a as a child that they never identified until they're in the middle of this life coaching, Mm -hmm. this marriage life coaching session, if you will. And now they've realized that they experienced this trauma and they're having um, these crying spells and they're remembering all of the things that happened to them or the things that they saw. Mm -hmm. Well, the person on the other side of the room isn't equipped to help them um, deal with that in that moment to treatment plan for it and to get them, you know, in each of their sessions to be able to walk through and get to a point of healing. That person is left with remembering that trauma, right. you know, and right. their spouse, if they're doing the marriage counseling, is the one suffering through with them, but they don't know what to do with that. Um, so, again, no uh, slight mm-hmm. against uh, life coaches because, again, I too am one. Mm-hmm. However, I know the difference between me coaching and me providing providing therapy. I like how you said the, like the business aspect, like the life mm-hmm. aspect of it. Like the life coach can, have, if, if you can't figure out what should, what should you be doing with your life or where should you go from here or. Purpose. Yeah, right. That's what I was going to say, say yeah. your, your purpose, but the emotion stuff yes. is definitely therapy driven question couldn't that same principle and concept that you just talked about whenever you start digging into the emotions of a thing could that be applied toward preachers could it be applied toward 
um, believers with these special giftings um, or anyone else, mm-hmm. right? Throwing is that them in is the that, life coach category? Yeah, like, oh. you know, you walk with someone experts. because they're not experts, right? Like, it's you walk with them and you could potentially potentially you could potentially lead them somewhere where you're not equipped to handle. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just say, well, you know, you throw out a scripture and you like, it's yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this and y'all can keep it if you want. So as a former pastor's wife, I have experienced so many um, pastors that have attempted to provide counsel for people that they were ill-equipped mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And they have done just what I was saying a the moment damage. ago, brought damage to the person because they've stirred a pot that they know nothing about dealing with the contents of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that goes back to something that we talked about in the first episode in that um, the stigma about mental health. So let me just go talk to my pastor. Yeah. And that's fine to a certain extent, but your pastor does not know how to take you further. And in order to get you to a point of mental health, Mm -hmm. um, healing within your mental health, spiritually, yes. But in regards to your mental health, likely no. Right. You know, so it, uh, it leaves you again, hanging. Yeah. Wow. And And I think I thought about that when, when you were talking, because one of our former church that we went to had, a therapist, a licensed professional, I think he may have been psychologist, like something, yeah, but he was a doctor and he, he was a professional in that field. And they brought him on for that very reason yeah. because the right. pastor could only do so much. Yes. And so it would be like, okay, well, you start based on the phone call that came in of I need to talk to the pastor. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, right. what do you need to talk? Because, you know, you got to vet some things. Because sure. you, you probably can just talk to the membership coordinator. Mm-hmm. You don't need to talk to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. But, <laughs> but people that really needed to talk to the pastor, it's like, okay, can you give me, like, is it marriage? Is it family? That type of stuff. Okay, well, it's this. Okay, so, yeah, it's been decided that you probably should talk to the pastor. So you talk to the pastor, and then it's, or it's, you can start there, and then the pastor would determine, like, you can go see Dr. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a person I'm going to refer. Right. And still, he's still on the same campus. He works in the same building with everybody, and they refer you to him. Mm-hmm. Or the person on the phone is like, well, we have Dr. So-and-so on staff here. Would you want to see him? And then everybody's like, oh, I didn't know that was an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who I would talk to because it's still at church. Yes. So they still feel comfortable, but yes. now you're at a, in a place with a person that is that expert. No, that's, that's good. That's good. And I think, you know, we live in a very complex world and it would be beneficial to at least if you are a nonprofit, if you are a church, if you are a faith-based institution, in my mind, it makes perfect sense that you should be at least connected to some type of therapist or have a group of therapists ready or to be able to just like refer members, you know, because again, like, yeah, this is this is the church is 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 God's institution, but we also have to be wise. Yeah, we also in the end it could be a liability. Like right. if, if you gave this person this advice exactly. and you weren't equipped to legally give this person this advice. Like you I remember some people a couple came to us and they were like, Can y'all do our, our premarital counseling? And I was like, Whoa, 
Like, <laughs> let me look at the fine print here. Because <laughs> anytime I hear the word counseling, I'm like, no, because if I tell you something and in five years... Well, the butler said <laughs> no. So, we, so, like, we literally was like, "We'll be your premarital mentor." Yeah, we're, we are mentors. <laughs> I remember that. Title. Yeah, yes. I remember that. And so I was like, "We we'll mentor you through this thing," and yeah, we got experience under our belt, under our belt. But that counselor situation, I just take right. that real serious. So, and I wish more people would hear that term and know that's not me. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me get you to a person that actually wears this title. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a safe that's a safe place to be. Do you take offense to that? Sometimes. I felt that when you said it. I was like <laughs> <laughs> I do because it's it's not safe. People are um being damaged. And not that the person that is helping is intending mm-hmm. to right. damage because their intent really is to help. Right. But you're ill equipped to help, you know? So get them to someone that can. Oh Lord. Yeah, All right. Man, it was like a mic drop, but we yeah. can't. We got to pick it back up because we're not yeah. done yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. All right. So there are a lot of professionals within your profession. Mm-hmm. So we have counselors, we have therapists, we have psychologists, psychiatrists. How do you know who to go to, when to go to? Do you start here and then maybe work your way up or? Around, I don't know. Okay, so first I'll start with kind of the difference between all of them. Uh, Psychiatrists are medical doctors. Mm -hmm. They've actually gone to medical school. They're the ones that prescribe medications. Mm -hmm. Um, Psychiatrists, I'll say 99% of the time, don't do therapy. Your appointment with the psychiatrist, the first time might be an hour. The second time, it's a good 20 minutes. They're the ones that make all the money. (laughs) <laughs> and then we have psychologists. Those are, um, they either have a, um, a philosophy degree mm-hmm. or a, uh, a, philosoph- a doctorate of philosophy or a doctorate of psychology. They can do research. Um, they're the ones that build the assessments and things of that nature that we give to mm. clients. But they can provide counseling okay. themselves. Okay. It just kind of depends on which path they take in their degree program. Um, then you have counselors, therapists, psychotherapists. Those are all the same. Um, that's me. We have master's degrees in counseling or clinical um, counseling or clinical mental health. Or it just kind of depends on what state you're in, mm-hmm. whatever that label is for that. Um, we are the ones that provide the counseling or the therapy mm-hmm. uh, for the clients. Um, then we have uh, certain certifications. We have licensed professional counselors. Uh, which is me. Mm-hmm. And we also have licensed professional counselor supervisor, which is also me, but I'm able to provide supervision for interns during their graduate okay. program. Then we have licensed marriage and family therapists. That one's kind of self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. And then we have licensed uh, master social workers or licensed clinical social workers. The clinical social workers are able to provide counseling. Um, the master social workers are not. They uh, work from a social work perspective. Mm-hmm you know, resource driven Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Um, So that's the difference in the different titles. Who you should see first really kind of depends on where you are in life. You know, if, um, if someone is in the middle of the grocery store and they just begin to act out and, you know, the people don't know what to do, they're going to call the police. The police is going to come and get that person and the police is supposed to take them to a psychiatric facility. 
So that then means that they're going to see a psychiatrist immediately. Right. Right. But if it's not something as grand of an issue as that, they may just be dealing with life uh, in and of itself. They can start with therapy, but a therapist might recommend that they see a a psychiatrist for a psychiatric evaluation to kind of see where they are, or the therapist can refer that they refer them to see a psychologist for some more assessment to kind of figure out uh, some other areas that they may be dealing with Um, because it could lend to more like an ADD or an ADHD that that's not necessarily therapy for that, but there's work that can be done in order to help. I didn't know. I knew a lot of what you just said. I did not know that y'all work so, so closely to psychologists. Yes. And that, like, they're doing a lot of the behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. stuff that we, like, I never knew that. And not all of them do the research, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, there's some psychologists that just do counseling, and then there's some psychologists that just do research. Okay. So when it comes to needing medication, mm-hmm. that's the... Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So would you, because I know a lot of times... PCPs, a person's uh, primary care physician. Well, they'll go see them and they're like, oh, you're depressed. Just take this pill and and we'll check back in about a month. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be more beneficial to either send them straight to a psychiatrist or send them to a counselor or therapist and then work through it that way? I, I, that is definitely my preference. Mm-hmm. Um, when I refer clients to a psychiatrist, I am sure to tell them that I'm sending you to a psychiatrist rather than your primary care physician because this is what they do all day long. Mm-hmm. Mm. Whereas a primary care physician, of course, we all have them, um, there's no specialty. You know, Mm -hmm. they can see you and determine that you have a broken arm, but they can also see you and determine that you have an ear infection. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Two completely different parts (laughs) of your body. It's getting weird. Whereas Whereas a psychiatrist, their only function all day long is to deal with your mental health. Right. And if there is a need for medication in order to help you manage and to uh, live through this mental health that you might mental health disorder that you might be dealing with. Wow. Can you quickly speak to the person who is scared to take the medicine Mm -hmm. or like, is it a lifelong, you need to take this medicine every day at this time for the rest of your life. Now I I know that sometimes that can be the case depending on the need, the severity, the, you know, um, all the different factors, but is that always the case? It is not always the case. Um, disclaimer, I am not a medical doctor. Right. So um, every person that needs medication for any period of time is not always on medication for their entire life. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people that are on medication just during a season. Um, they may be depressed. Their depression during their grief process may be a lot heavier than it um than they need it to be or than uh than it should be so a psychiatrist may prescribe medication for them in order to help them through their grieving process well grief can take a period of time and it ebbs and flows and things of that nature and they may be depressed 
in this moment, but they may never be depressed again, but still be grieving. You know, right. can, can the same be for anxiety? For again? sure. For sure. Um, all things can be situational. Right. You know, um, everything is not a chronic. Some things are definitely acute. Mm -hmm. right. And if they are, then there's an end to it. Right. But if it's chronic, then right. it keeps going. Right. Yeah. And that's where it, well, you need the yearly checkups. Yes. And okay. So we have a few more minutes left. This was the quickest episode I've ever done. <laughs> Thanks. Because we're talking can about I, so much good stuff. Real quick before you go there. Is there is there like a stigma around taking medication though? Oh sure, for sure. Right. Um, I hear lots of clients say, "Well, I'm not crazy," you know, crazy and the fact that someone may need a psychotropic medication does not make them crazy. Right. The fact that you may have a mental health disorder doesn't make you crazy. Right. It means that right. your mental health is disordered. Right. So if you have a physical mm. illness and you need medication for that, that doesn't make you crazy either. But you need the medication in order for your blood pressure to be regulated or your cholesterol to be regulated. Because you have or, a disorder. Because you have a disorder. Um, so the stigma with medication is, um, I'll say in the African-American community, especially uh, from research that I've done, it's because in times past, medication was used in order to control that was true. Right. Um, prayerfully, that doesn't still happen because I can't say who does everything in their offices. Right. However, um, the likelihood of that happening is much slimmer. And if the medication is able to help you, then get the help. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. So real quick, are there some strategies that the everyday person can kind of implement and I know this this almost falls into that self-care type stuff, but some strategies that you could, we can implement to keep from, like, go, falling off. Mm -hmm. Or if you feel a little anxious or, but you don't feel like it's to the point where you're depressed or, but you can, you can feel something a little different, a little thing, something that's a little off. And yeah, you probably need to schedule an appointment just to walk through it and work through it just to see. But in the meantime, let's say, cause I think since, since COVID, it might take a little, a couple of weeks before you can get an appointment. That's true. And so between now and then, what are some strategies if a person is dealing with depression, they think they might be dealing with depression or they think they might be dealing with some anxiety. I think one of the things that we don't realize that we do when we're experiencing life is that we don't breathe. Mm -hmm. We hold our breath a lot, mm -hmm. which is why we find ourselves taking in really deep breaths at some point, you know? So we need to learn right. to breathe and just kind of settle ourselves. Um, there are, uh, there's the, uh, what is it called? Rule three, the three rule mm -hmm. for anxiety. That is for you to find three things that you can see Focus on those things. Three things that you can uh, feel within your body and three things that see, feel, oh, what's my third one? I don't remember. But there's a third one and you can Google this and you can find that third <laughs> one out because I don't remember it right off. Um, Is it one of the senses? Possibly. Possibly. Okay. And you said it's three what? Three things three you can rule. Three rule. Yeah, for anxiety and how to cope with anxiety. Um but those three things, in order for you to settle, 
yourself and just kind of recenter. Um, because when you're dealing with anxiety, things are just so heightened, right. you know, and just seem so big and so much larger than what they actually are. Um, and you feel so small in the midst of all of that stuff. So if you can uh, figure out those three things to do, kind of center yourself and continue to breathe during that time, it just settles you. It centers you. And it makes you, uh, that's also a piece of mindfulness as well, mm -hmm. to kind of get you to a point where you are just kind of experiencing this moment and not every single moment that you think might be coming. Um, and then when it comes to, depression, um, and anxiety as mm -hmm. well. I'm huge on journaling. Um, I feel like if you can get all of these thoughts out of your head and onto paper, that's a bit of processing already. Um, and it, um, uh, it's no longer just kind of swimming around mm -hmm. in there. You've put form to it. You've, um, uh, and handwriting it, I prefer, but then my younger clients like to put it in their phones mm -hmm. because for them, that's, that is them journaling. So you do it that way again to get it from your head onto paper or into your phone. So it's just not there and just weighing on you. Um, again, finding safe people that you can talk to and just letting somebody know, Hey, I'm feeling a certain way. Um, today, I don't really know what's going on. I'm just feeling this right. way. And you just share it with somebody. Typically, when we hear self-care, um, as women, we think about going in our nails done and our feet done and things of that nature. Going to therapy is self-care. Right. It really is because it's you taking care of yourself. Right. You can get your nails and your feet done, too, right. and get a massage and all of those things. That's and great. still feel terrible. And still feel terrible, right? right. Just right. look cute. You know, but, right, just look cute. <laughs> But you're sitting, you're sitting home depressed, cute. A cute right. mess. A cute mess, right. So go to therapy. I, I can't stress that enough. I often say that I buy what I sell in regards to therapy. Um, I see a therapist myself. I hear a lot all day long. I have my own life. I have my own children, you know, things mm -hmm. of that nature. Life, lives, and I need somebody to talk to as well. And I will say one question to ask a therapist when you are deciding if you're going to see them is if they have a therapist. If they don't, I question their therapy. Mm. Another Jesus. mic drop moment. I, I, I don't. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the three things. I was Thank able, you. yeah, I was able to pull that up yeah, real produ quick. Producer base serves as Chase on the case. <laughs> yes, we have a Chase is on the case. <laughs> so it's a uh, look around and name three things you see. Move three different parts of your body and name three sounds you can, so hear. You can hear. So yes, it was. A yes. I had never heard that until today. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I may try. You got a lot of takeaways. Look, Some good I told you. <laughs> I got to talk to my therapist after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do you have anything else. Look, thank you for blessing us with right. your presence. That, that is thank what you. I was going to say. Yeah, this was good. I, I appreciate your expert expertise. And you provided like some three some free therapy for some folks. <laughs> free therapy. <laughs> Lord free, free Jesus. Therapy is always good, but you need to dig deeper. Like yes. you just you just have pointed out what may have need to come to the surface. But thank you. Like sure. thank you for taking the time out to do this. Thank you for sitting with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. And to our lovely Keeping It Simple podcast audience, 
thank y'all for hanging with us and exciting announcements. This concludes our first season of the Keeping It Simple with Tanika Butler podcast. Hey. Hey. Y'all, I'm so happy, man. A little sad that we won't see y'all for a little bit. I'm not sad. (laughs) (laughs) Producer Bay ain't sad. (laughs) But it's time to take a little break and regroup and get some more stuff together for you. But in the meantime, make sure you stay connected with us on social media. Remember, at Tanika C. Butler. At Jeremy Q. Butler. It's all in that, what do you call that space? A space. The biography space. Show notes. Show notes. It's called show notes. The show notes. <laughs> the caption is not caption. The bio. The bio. The and paragraph, the thank you. That's <laughs> <laughs> All the information. This is why I need a, 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 Gen, a Gen Zer on my team. We do. We all do. right. So in the show notes, all the information to stay connected with us. But before we go over that, let me take it back to our guest. Because I know y'all getting ready to bombard her. Listen, she's getting ready to give you her contact stuff. She is not your free therapist. Oh, Lord. <laughs> no, she is not. <laughs> but she can. Take care of you. I was going to say for the, price, the right price, but that sounds a little sketchy. So, <laughs> yeah, about that. About that sounds a little sketchy. But <laughs> go ahead and give the people your, your Lord Jesus. <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't even sit well when I felt it coming out. So I was like, no, let's choose some different words. Like, yeah, come over here to this trunk. I got this extra meat, these extra chickens and in, in a... So, yeah, <laughs> just just tell the people, Natalie, how they can, where you can be reached, all that stuff. Yes. Um, I can be found on psychologytoday.com and just search my name and all of my information will come up. There's a bio there. It has come my uh, phone number, um, email address, and things of that nature. I can be uh, followed on Instagram at Natalie, the LPCS. Um, yeah, Facebook is private. It's personal stuff. Follow me on Instagram. Mind your business is what she's saying. But you can find her on her public pages. I have nothing. (laughs) With that being said, thank y'all for... I married a thug. (laughs) Thank y'all for hanging with us, man. 12 episodes. 12 episodes. And you will get a chance to replay all 12 of these episodes during our break. And also to share them. And share the episodes. And then make sure that y'all stay connected because we got some stuff planned on our social media pages. We're not going to just leave you in the dark. Got some some podcast stuff planned, but we will be returning with new episodes for season two. You just got to stay tuned for that release date. Anything else, Producer Bay? I'm good. No. We did it. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, too. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you had you had to take on a, a whole nother job being producer Bay. A free job. <laughs> Thank you for working yes. pro bono. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anything you want to say to the people? Thank y'all for rocking with us. Um, let's get it. We got work to do. We got work to do. See y'all for season two. <laughs>